You're tuned to WFHB. Volunteer-powered, listener-supported, Community Radio for South Central Indiana. Good afternoon. Reporting for WFHB, this is Cade Young. You're listening to the WFHB Local News for Thursday, January 6th, 2021. This week, we've looked back at the stories we covered in the year 2021. Today, we revisit our reporting on the Black Lives Matter street murals in Bloomington. You will hear an award-winning report from Sydney Foreman on the Banneker Center's organization for the first BLM street mural on Elm Street. Then you will hear from the two artists who designed the second BLM street mural. All that and more in BLM Street Murals in Review. In August 2020, former Assistant News Director Sidney Foreman reported on the first Black Lives Matter street mural organized by the Banneker Center. At the time, the location for the second mural had not been finalized. We turned to Sydney Foreman for that report, which won first place in the 2020 SPJ Awards for Radio Features Reporting. Located on 7th and Elm Street in Bloomington, Indiana, sits the Banneker Community Center. However, this building was not always a community center. Above the entrance to the building is a carving in the limestone which reads, 1915 Banneker School. In 1915, the school opened as a segregated school known as the Banneker School for Colored Children. According to the Indiana Historical Bureau, the Banneker School was, quote, named after Benjamin Banneker, a free black man born 1731 in Maryland. Banneker published scientific almanacs and was one of the surveyors who platted Washington, D.C., end quote. In its first year, the school had 93 students registered and a total of three teachers. However, in 1949, Indiana General Assembly passed a law in which schools were required to begin integration. The Historical Bureau says the law required schools to stop enrollment of students based on race or color. Despite some reported protests against integration, segregation at the Banneker School ended in 1951. According to Bloomington City School Board minutes from July 10th of 1951, White students from the Fairview School transferred to the Banneker School for the first time and the name was changed to the Fairview Annex. The school later moved to a new location on 8th Street and was named the Fairview School. Since 1954, the Bureau reported the Banneker School to have been used as a community center where, quote, the center offered programs for children, teenagers, and adults, end quote. The community center lives on to this day with a passion for inspiring the community and residents to reach their fullest potential 
and to help with this goal is the Banneker Community Center Advisory Commission. Joy Roberts and Nichelle Whitney are two of the commission members. Roberts said she has been involved with the Banneker Center for many years. Um, when my children were younger, they also went and participated in several programs. Um, in addition to that, I've always been an avid supporter and volunteer. Um, so I've partnered with them with several different programs. My student organization um, has also sponsored events and things with the Seneca Community Center. And for uh, maybe the last four or five years, I've been a board member. So definitely a lot of different levels of, of involvement with the Banneker Community Center. Whitney mentioned she had also volunteered at the Banneker Center for years before her current position on the advisory commission. Last week, that commission proposed two Black Lives Matter street murals to the Bloomington Arts Commission in efforts to further inspire the community and the city to work towards racial justice. The first street mural is said to be painted on Elm Street, running along the side of the Banneker Center. Whitney and Roberts both shared the importance of this location. It's really important that we did it around the Banneker Center to show the Banneker Center's commitment to Black people in this community, the Banneker Center is in a staple neighborhood that has largely served underrepresented people. We wanted to make sure that the children of the community and the citizens of the community, the parents of the community, know that they are valued and have something to, you know, really smile about. And this has been communicated from several different of our families. You know, they feel forgotten. They feel forgotten about. Um, they feel as though they aren't cared for at different times. So it was important for us to have that um, basically as a highlight um, to them as well, um, so that they know that they are loved and this is truly to um, help highlight their lives. The center is working to engage artists of color to create a concept and design for the collaborative street mural. Whitney said this is all part of a much larger national movement to honor and recognize the quote, challenges, and existence of Black people, end quote. With this, the project proposed for the street murals is not only about spreading a message with paint on pavement, but with active change. Whitney said the Banneker Advisory Commission is taking this chance to work with the city of Bloomington to create racial justice. So we are still working with the city to determine what those specific actions will be because we believe that it's a partnership. We're not going into this imploring or demanding anything from anyone. So we want to have a shared vision and a collective goal and work towards that together. One thing that we are calling them to think about very intentionally is reallocating resources into black and brown businesses here, especially in light of all the things that have happened during COVID. Um, and then also really working with their racial justice task force to become an anti-racist community, to set up um, points of accountability for residents and citizens that violate those anti-racist policies and boundaries. The second mural proposed by the commission currently has an undetermined location. However, the commission desires that the mural will take place on a highly visited downtown Bloomington Street. Whitney said this location would take on a more political stance than the first mural, showing the city and county's commitment to black lives. 
Robert said this street mural may look more similar to the murals seen painted in other cities. We're looking at that one being high traffic paint. Um, so maybe the bright yellow, um, and I believe there was another color um, available, but you know we're looking to that one being more of a statement and more, you know, in a place where more people frequent. And, you know, we know that it will um, ruffle some feathers, uh, but downtown, we're not sure where yet, but it will most likely be the solid color um, high traffic paint. Robert said the Banneker Advisory Committee is asking the city to fund these murals. She mentioned potential funding coming from funds reserved for events which did not take place due to COVID-19. Specifically, Whitney said they have been working with city departments involved in overseeing the Black and Brown Arts Festival and other initiatives geared toward celebrating Black artists. She said the city has shown immense commitment to see the project through. However, Roberts said no specific location for the funds has yet been determined. Regardless of where the funds come from, Robert said she hopes to see a lasting impact. There are a number of things that I would love to see and hope to see. And, you know, again, what that looks like is ever-changing. But the main thing is um, for those that are of color, for, for Black lives that live in this community, they need to know that they matter and they need to see that and they need to be welcomed in spaces, even just for myself and my children to be able to see that they are respected and loved and cared about and not looked at as um, a problem. For WFHB, I'm Sydney Foreman. Then in May of 2020, WFHB News spoke with Raheem Elmore and Christina Elam, the two artists who designed the Black Lives Matter street mural on 6th Street. Elmore and Elam walked through their process behind the street mural, and they also shared why they believe this message is so important for all eyes to see in a central public space. We turn now to that interview. Raheem Elmore and Christina Elam, the artists who designed the city's second Black Lives Matter street mural on 6th Street, thank you for coming on to the WFHB Local News. Oh, thank you for having us. So would you both tell me a little bit about your background in the arts and how you came to be involved in this project? I've always kind of been, you know, into arts and visual arts. And then in undergrad, I decided to major in uh, painting. And so I have a bachelor's in painting. And then now that I'm in grad school, well, I just graduated. Um, I uh, study arts administration. And so um, that's kind of like my journey or like how my involvement in the arts. I'm very close with the Banneker Center. I've worked uh, at the Banneker Center since I got here and tried to be connected with them. Um, and so once I heard that this project was going to be put on by the Banneker Center um, Advisory Council, I just applied and I tried to tell like different artists about the opportunity as well. And so and I was able to be selected for it. So, yeah. 
Now, Raheem, um, would you tell me a little bit about your background in the arts and how you came to be involved here? So, uh, like, my background in arts is a little different from Christina's. Um, I'm not necessarily a formally trained artist. I'm a self-trained artist. Um, I started when I was young, uh, really with drawing and cartooning. Uh, at about 15 years old, like, for my birthday, my mom had bought me, like, this, like, a toy, like, art set, like, airbrush set, and, like, it had, went off a can. So I got really interested in the art form of airbrushing at first. And it was, like, a local art shop in Columbus, Ohio, um, and it was, like, a... Uh, all medium art shop, but they specialized in the airbrush and they were really popular. And uh, I started there as an apprentice and then I became uh, I became a part of the team. I started doing art from there. And from there, I just done a lot of like commission art, uh, worked at different art shops and art that way for probably about the past 13 years. So um, I got involved with this project, uh, starting with the first Black Lives Matter mural that's in front of the Banneker Center, uh, which Christina talked about when she got involved and she I told other artists about it. I wanted the other artists she told about. So, uh, <laughs> so I applied as well. I was fortunate enough to be selected. We worked on the first uh, mural, which was a great experience. And then coming into this one, it was kind of um, kind of like rolling into another aspect of the same project. So public art is usually open for all eyes to see and meant to spring about like social or civil discourse. So what kind of social discourse are you hoping to ignite with this public art installation? So for me, Black Lives Matter, um, first of all, I know that there's definitely a lot of, um, I guess, connotations or a lot of other political commentary around the word just because of the organization and then like um, different social political ideas with it. Um, but for me, simply said is Black Lives Matter, a statement. Um, and it, you know, you don't have to politicize that. It's just, it just is, right? Um, but then also I think that from this public work, it's also a statement to point to the, the areas that we still have to work on as a country um, and specifically as a city of Bloomington. And then we could also like make it an individual thing of like ways that uh, in our own circles of influences, how are we making sure that, you know, black lives are mattering in, in, in your circle of influence. And so that that's kind of like the, that was my goal. And that was, um, I think that was, you know, a shared goal of, of kind of what we were trying to do and um, and open up that conversation in ways that we move forward um, as a city. Yeah, I think Christina uh, pretty much answered her like really appropriately and beautifully. Um, I feel the exact same way. And I like the word she used. And it was kind of cool because I saw the same word on like uh, one of the news articles that was about the piece. And it was a statement like and it's like. Black Lives Matter, as a, just as a phrase and as a statement itself, it means a lot, it says a lot. And to be able to be a part of like uh, painting that and solidifying that uh, in Bloomington history um, and letting people, like you said, for all people to see, think about, and to have kids to be able to come out there and participate in it, think about um, the statement that they were able to make by being a part of it. All of these things really uh, kind of went into like our thinking about uh, the project. So I think she kind of hit on the head. It's like so many different aspects to it. And it's also an individual statement that you're making, being a person of color, being a black person, you know what I mean? You show, you're saying my life matters, our lives matter. And then really you uh, kind of making a more of a bigger statement to everybody because, because it becomes so politicized. It's kind of like thinking that when you see that, you think about that, what does that phrase really mean to you? And when people see that and they have to think about that to themselves, um, I think that it says a lot. So the first session to paint the mural was rained out 
from what I understand. And then on May 1st, you finally finished painting the mural with the help of volunteers. So um, would you walk us through what that process looked like on the day of the painting with help from volunteers? Yeah, so uh, definitely. So with the rain day, um, as you said, uh, the rain day came about and then the day uh, on the May 1st day, it, was, it went really smooth, I should say. Um, before the volunteers uh, got there, we were able to come out a few hours in advance. We were able to reinforce our outline uh, because it's a multicolor uh, like a design. Uh, there's a lot that goes into like the sequencing of the design. And it's really easy to mess up. Like even drawing it, sometimes like we found that we might have messed up just getting the model out there. Um, so uh, we were, so with that, having the ability to come out there, kind of like color code the outline for the volunteers to come, it made it really easy for them to be able to come and fill in. And then it was a great, uh, it was great to kind of see like which volunteers were skilled at which things because the outline aspect of it, that hard yellow outline, it took a little bit of more of a steady hand. So it made it, uh, I guess, have diverse positions on the project because some people with a steady hand, they were able to work on the outline. Other volunteers, they were able to help us fill in and it really all came together really beautifully. I think that, um, Every single person who came out there, they helped to make a great impact on the way that the project came about. Yeah, and just to add to that on just seeing people of all ages come out was also really cool. Um, seeing, uh, you know, kids, you know, younger than 10 come out and paint and make their contribution. And then seeing, you know, people that are like well in their 50s making their contribution. I, I think uh, there was a picture that was taken um, of a woman and her two kids and they're a black woman and her two kids and they were looking at the mural once it was finished and it was it was just a really cool experience like seeing everybody come together of different backgrounds making this happen and it was and it was very impactful but yeah the day went very smooth it was great weather uh, I liked how if we were going to have good weather we had really good weather and so yeah it was a really great day. Christina just made me think about something I really loved about our experience with the volunteers. I love the repeaters. So some people who were a part of the first Black Lives Matter mural, they came out for the second one. And it was really great seeing, seeing them again, especially some of the kids. So it's one young man, especially uh, his name is Sagio. It was really good to see Sagio, um, Sagio uh, again, too. Like, it was good to see everybody again. But like he was one kid who really like he was looking for me. I was looking for him. Like, And it was like crazy. His mom, like, his mom was like, there you go. So we got to work on a project again. And he it, he considers himself an artist already, you know, and, you know, as a young person, as a uh, like as a kid, you know, so and that's kind of like where I came from. But I don't know if I considered myself an artist back then. Like when I first started, when I was eight, I don't know if I would tell people straight up, like, yeah, I'm an artist, I'm a public artist. But he is, you know, and he has worked on this project just like we worked on this project. So seeing things like that, getting to reconnect with people like him is beautiful. And it's like, it's amazing. It's some of the greatest feelings. Conceptually, what were you going for in the BLM mural? So feel free to touch on anything from like what colors you used, what font you used or whatever angle you want to dive into to explain your process behind designing the Black Lives Matter street mural on 6th Street? Yeah, so like after the first mural, the first mural was way more detailed um, and it had a lot more that went into the design um, and that was on purpose. And for this mural, the goal was to keep it a little bit more simple, more simple, straightforward design. But we didn't want to lose, you know, meaning. So we still wanted to keep it in line with the Pan-African, Pan-Africanist movement with uh, the colors, black, green, and red. And then 
so yeah, so that was a process. So that was kind of like the differences between the two. And that was kind of our main goal with that. And then with our process, we more so like just got together and we collaborated. We both brought different ideas to the, to the table. There were some things we liked in my designs. There's some things we liked in Raheem's designs that we were able to, to mesh them together to come up with the final design. Uh, I just wanted to add one thing as it pertains to process and design. With us going with a more uh, a more straightforward design, one thing that we were able to like uh, prioritize as it pertains to like actual like process or execution of our plan was uh, like with our first mural, it was so large and it had so many different components going on to it. We pretty much ran out of time throughout the day to where we literally were working to like really pretty much like it was like almost like the, you know like dusk. You know what I mean? To yeah, uh, we worked. Work. Yeah, we worked till like sundown. Yep, to where to this one, we were able actually to get it out there, reinforce the colors, give second coats, and really solidify the boldness and the actual like process of the painting process, as opposed to like when the first one we were getting the concept out. And this one, we were like, we got the concept, we got it, and now we're painting into it to beautify our piece, which is kind of what you want when you're doing art. You want the opportunity and ability to go back and straighten things up that you had. Yeah, and also to add to that, I think uh, the beauty of it being so straightforward is that it's um, easier for people like volunteers to participate because, you know, people that are non-artists, they tend to be a little shy or a little hesitant when trying to participate in, in the work. And so by it being the way that it was, I felt like people were way more um, like confident in like being able to like help us get the, uh, execute the piece. And so that's also a beauty in like making sure that people of different, all different types of uh, comfortabilities with um, artistic abilities um, can, can participate. Would you touch on the collaboration with the Banneker Center to make these street murals happen? So the collaboration with the Banneker Center, I think it was like uh, different aspects of it. So one aspect of it was working with the Banneker Center staff um, and then another um, aspect that was working with the Banneker Center Center Council. Um, they kind of worked like together, but also they kind of worked um, in some ways they worked independently as well. So it was like a little bit of both, like when it came to the organization of it. But one big thing, like with just like <clears throat> the Banneker Center staff, and we worked diligently with them, with Corey and Eric, and then also uh, Sean Starwitz from the uh, from the city. Uh, we worked really closely with those three people to kind of like bring all of this into fruition. Um, they were part of the planning processes. Uh, they kind of like got us the supplies that we needed. Um, they helped us to... Uh, pretty much execute the entire thing for both projects. So I would say that we work pretty closely with the Medical Center staff. And as it pertains to like the council, they kind of help us to set it all up and, you know, hit it out the parking and get the volunteers together, and, you know, make it into the more of a community day and make it the, the actual day uh, more happen. Now, what does the future hold to your knowledge of BLM murals here in Bloomington? Are we, should we expect uh, future murals? Like, are there plans for future murals to your knowledge? Not to my knowledge that there there might be more. There may be, you know, we never know if, uh, you know, even IU students want to do something on campus or whatever. Um, that'd be a great idea, but um, I, not to my knowledge. So I'm not sure. I haven't heard of anything either yet. But I think it would be advantageous to have another Black Lives Matter mural. And then Christina actually made a very important and cool point. To have it on campus will be very impactful. So one thing I'm thinking about, I've been thinking about as it pertains to the first or the second mural, having the one, having the first one in front of the Banneker Center was impactful because of what that space means uh, to African-American life in, in Bloomington. I remember like an older gentleman, like at least in his like, late 60s coming up to me saying how proud he was to see it there and talking about like how 
his mother used to uh, send them to school at the Banneker Center when it was a schoolhouse. And then when it became a community center, he sent his kids there. So like the legacy of what the Benjamin Banneker Center means and having a mural outside of there um, is very impactful. But then transporting it to having one downtown. And it's because it's like, you could kind of, I guess, never see that one if you wanted to, but you can't not see the one downtown. Like it's in front of the courthouse, it's the center of town and people have to come by and see it and go through it. So the impact of that uh, means a lot as well. Um, kind of have it in the heart of the city in the center of downtown. So they're having one on campus, a major force, um, a major political uh, aspect, and also a place that they they promote diversity and inclusion. So like what, what bigger statement couldn't the university make as it pertains to diversity and inclusion than uh, kind of like, you know, working with one of the marginalized groups to reinforce a statement that's very important to not only the campus, but to the greater Bloomington community, America, the world, et cetera. Well, I've really enjoyed our conversation, guys. That's that's the que- all the questions I have prepared. But I, I wanted to ask you before we part ways, um, is there anything else you would like to add? Any closing statements before we uh, we head off? Any Anything you'd like to say to our listeners on the radio? I want to like really uh, thank you for the opportunity to be able to come on here and talk about uh, the public arts piece. Um, I think that like, so for me, I speak for my, for, well, you may feel the same way, Christina. With the first mural, it was a lot, a lot of coverage on it. Um, to where we had people who interviewed us and accessed different things about the process. And I guess a part of that, maybe because it was like new, it was like the first project. With this one, it was a little bit different. We didn't have uh, as many people kind of t- uh, speak with us and ask us about the in and outs of the process and what it meant. So for you to ask us about that and for us to be able to reinforce that and reiterate that on a public platform is, is really good. And especially with uh, when you're talking about like the politics of it, um, we all know that Black Lives Matter uh, can be seen as a controversial statement. And it's important to reinforce the positivity positivity of it because like it's one of those things that, that can and has gotten hijacked. It's, it's bigger than just an, an idea. It's literally like a humanistic uh, plea, you know? So to be able to kind of get back to that and get back to the point of it all and then like be able to have been a part of the artistic expression of that and then be able to talk about it and put the talk about the symbols and the, uh, our whole intentions behind it. I really appreciate that. So that's what I definitely say. Thank you. I totally echo Raheem's sentiments. Um, thank you for uh, being able to speak with us and, and taking your time to speak with us. Just as an artist and being able to serve in this way and to be able to add what I can and how I can, you know, to to Black Lives Matter, that that means a lot. And so I'm just glad that I was able to be a part of the project. And I was glad to work with Raheem on that. So thanks for, you know, talking with us. All right. Well, Raheem Elmore and Christina Elam, the artists who designed the Black Lives Matter street mural on 6th Street, thank you again for coming on to the WFHB Local News. Thank you for having us. Thank you. Support for the WFHB Local News is brought to you by MPI Solar, a Bloomington business specializing in solar hot water, solar electricity, and solar hot air systems. MPI Solar designs and installs solar power generation systems that encourage independence and individual responsibility. More information online at mpisolar.com.
You've been listening to the WFHB Local News. Today's features were produced by Sydney Foreman and myself. Our theme music is provided by Mark Bingham and the Social Climbers. For WFHB, this is your engineer and executive producer, Cade Young. Thank you for supporting Indiana's only volunteer power, listener-supported, independent daily news program. You can hear tonight's full broadcast online at wfhb.org. The WFHB Local News is also available as a podcast. Just search our call letters, WFHB, wherever you listen to your podcasts. Subscribe to never miss another local news program. Stay tuned for Big Talk, a one-on-one conversation with some of Bloomington's most fascinating people, coming up next on WFHB. Listening to the WFHB Local News on WFHB Community Radio. Our news is written and reported by volunteers working to provide local news, cover local issues, and strengthen our local community. We invite you to participate. You may submit questions, comments, and story ideas to news at WFHB.org. You can become a WFHB Local News Volunteer by attending new volunteer orientation. Feel free to check out the WFHB Local News Archive at WFHB.org to find newscasts, individual stories, and catch a live feed of the WFHB Local News. We are local, longer.